You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I think it's great to be in the top 10. That's where we want to head, and that's where we want to continue to grow and, and get better in. So from starting outside of it uh, to getting to where we are right now is, is very good. We certainly don't have to back down or uh, try to skirt around that uh, because that's exactly what we want to try to do is continue to grow in the polls and, and uh, win games. So You're only as good as your last performance. Yeah, we won five, but we got seven more. And what we do in those seven more, especially the next one, is the most important. Let's worry about Indiana. Let's, let's play our butts off against Indiana. Let's uh, do what we're supposed to do versus Indiana. And prep and prepare for Indiana like we're supposed to. That, that's how you do I'm happy we're ranked. I think everybody is. I'm happy we, we have five games behind us that we won. But we still got to focus. And welcome here to another edition of the Husker Online Show. And we welcome back our old friend, Top 10. It's been a while since Mr. Top 10 has accompanied the Nebraska football program. In fact, 2011, uh, the last time Nebraska ranked in the Top 10 after they beat Michigan State and Lincoln, and then they were ranked Top 10 uh, for one week against Northwestern. And that has been the extent of it. And Nebraska, on their off week, moves up as a number of teams fell, and uh, now they go to Indiana, ranked number nine in the coaches, number 10 in the AP, um, kind of with a target on their back, guys, and, and that's where we lead off this show um, a, as you look ahead here as you know, Nebraska is 5-0, and uh, but, I, I, Robin, I still think there are, are a lot of critics. Uh, I'm going to call it now. In fact, I wrote it in my 3-2-1. Uh, this, this is going to be the sexy upset pick on game day, and everything. everyone's going to pick Indiana because uh, I don't think there's a lot of belief yet in Nebraska, and this is going to be one of those show-it-to-me games. All you got to do is turn to Big Ten Network, and they'll talk, tell you all about why Nebraska is going to lose to Indiana. And Greg McMullen's on yeah. the starting defensive yeah, line still, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and so, obviously, there's you know still a uh, mistrust of you know how good Nebraska actually is, and if they are a legitimate top-10 team in the country, if they are you know an actual contender for the college football playoff, and yeah, you know what? It's fun to talk about now, but you know, like you heard all the players in the intro talk about, and all the coaches in the intro, it's it's you're halfway through the season. You got a whole lot of work left to do, and while the start is nice, uh, there's a lot of work left to be done. And I think that that's kind of been the mantra within this locker room: is yeah, it's, feel good about what you've accomplished. This is what our goal is to be in this conversation at this point in the year, but. You haven't done anything yet, and the only way that this is going to mean anything is if you keep it going on through the rest of the year. I think that's the one thing that's really stood out to me this week from talking with the players is yeah, there's a confidence there about being ranked in the top ten, but um, the, there's no satisfaction there. I don't think guys feel like they've made it or that they've arrived. I, I think that everyone seems to be pretty dialed in and, and hungry for this and, um, and kind of looking forward to proving some of those critics wrong, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's kind of a mindset where like, oh, we got invited to this party and and they're kind of like the last guy into the party at this point and, and people really haven't accepted them yet in that top 10 group and uh, they're gonna have to prove it and you know I, I think a lot of it is the schedule um, when you look at the schedule today it doesn't look near as good as maybe it looked two weeks ago three weeks ago and uh, I still and Robin and I agree on this we talked off air but the Oregon win to me still is a quality win I mean Nebraska kind of knocked Oregon off their horse and they have been able to get back on it since Lincoln uh, they've been a mess since that game was mismanaged by Mark Helfridge and Lincoln and the injuries they suffered. Uh, but, yeah, it, it, it's it's a different feeling. But I, I think the players, they, they don't have a sense of entitlement. I don't think anybody on this team ex, you know, thinks 
They, they belong in the top ten. They know they have to earn it, Robin, when you, when you look at it and kind of talk to the guys. Well, and I think the fact that it's been so long since Nebraska's been in this position, I mean, these guys, it's kind of uncharted Not territory. one guy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, think about it. I think there was a post on our board earlier this week that said the last time that Nebraska started the year 6-0, and which they have the chance to do on Saturday, was back in 2001. That was baffling to me. 15 years since Nebraska was 6-0. and uh, so, I mean, for any player on this team to sit back and, you know, feel like, oh, wow, we've, we've accomplished everything, that would be so, uh, I guess, uh, inaccurate to, to feel anything like you've done anything. So I think that, you know, they're coming, going about it with the right mentality. I think guys are staying pretty level-headed, and, you know, they know that, you know, the only important game is Indiana this week. If you lose this game, then this whole conversation is for naught. Yeah, it's hard to say, Nate, when you look at it, what is going to kind of satisfy the masses of this season. I mean, you don't want the expectations to get too out of whack because but this is not a playoff team. Nebraska does not have the line play or the line depth to be a top four team in college football. But I, I do think it's a team that can win the Big Ten West. And I think it's a team that could potentially compete for a New Year's Six Bowl game uh, when it's all said and done. Well, I think the important thing um, for Nebraska to, to kind of satisfy some of those fans out there is uh, to to beat the teams that you're supposed to beat and to play the way that you're supposed to play um, and kind of reinforce that things are heading in the right direction. Don't take a step backwards. You, you've positioned yourself well to, to win that Big Ten West, which is obviously the first goal uh, of this team. And uh, in order to keep people happy, I think you just have to keep marching along and, and do what you're supposed to do. Beat the teams that you're supposed to beat, and and, do, and most importantly, don't beat yourself. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, and Nate Klaus. As we set you up for this week's game at Indiana, the Huskers and the Hoosiers at 2.30 on ABC. Um, they'll be on ABC as well on 2.30 the following week against Purdue. That game uh, was announced this past, this week as well, and that's another thing. When you get these top rankings, um, you get picked up more uh, on the ABC games, and you avoid the uh, Beth Moen's 11 a.m. games <laughs> on ESPN like our, our neighbors to the east yeah, get. Yeah, the Iowa special. But yeah, let's talk about the Big Ten West. I mean, it's amazing kind of how the narrative maybe has changed. Uh, I think a lot of people, including us, thought in August that Iowa was the hands-down favorite to win this division, mainly because of Wisconsin's schedule. We thought Wisconsin was going to fall out of this thing. Well, Wisconsin is still alive. Iowa already with a bad loss to Northwestern, and they looked very shaky uh, against Rutgers in Minnesota with two 14-7 victories. This thing really sets up for Nebraska. If they can win these next two games and then beat Wisconsin and Madison, and they're going to get a beat-up Badgers team, all of a sudden, I mean, the West is darn near clinched at that point. Yeah, I mean, the table is set. And that kind of goes back to what Nate was saying. I mean, if, as long as Nebraska takes care of its own business, uh, then they'll be favored in you know, maybe every game outside of Ohio State. Uh, Wisconsin. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's good. We'll see. Madison at yeah. night. I mean, that's, that's yeah. a tough okay. one. Okay, so maybe two games. Even so, you're still putting yourself in a position to where not only are you going to contend for the Big Ten West, you're darn near going to get a January 6th. Uh, yeah. It's January 6th, a January 6th bowl game. And think about it, with Michigan and Ohio State doing what they're doing, Nebraska could go to the Big Ten Championship, lose, and still make the Rose Bowl kind of the way Iowa did a year ago. And if any fan uh, was told that you're going to go to the Rose Bowl this season, I mean... <laughs> well, even a 10-2 yeah. would get you maybe the Orange Bowl. Orange, Orange Bowl? Uh, the Orange Bowl has an obligation to take a Big Ten team um, in the contract. And if that's the case, then the Citrus Bowl does not get a Big Ten team. Um, so there is a chance that the Orange Bowl... Could take a Big Ten team. And, oh, by the way, who in the Big Ten has great history with the Orange Bowl? 
Nebraska. Natural. Um, yep. So that would be huge. Oh, and by the way, who's having a good year? Miami. Um, I mean, <laughs> I mean going to sell some tickets. Call your shot. Uh, I mean, that, that would think about that if that were to. I mean, we're getting way ahead of ourselves here. I'm thinking about media hospitality rooms and a week on South Beach. Oh, yeah. Nate's trying to angle what recruits he could come down so he could go They've on the trip. Got a couple of commits down there, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's exciting to think of the potential, but it's also a dose of reality, guys, that it could end real fast too. No doubt, that's why I think this approach that uh, the most important game is the next game on the schedule, and that's the most cliche thing you could possibly say. But that's one the reality. That's the reality for Nebraska one game. because one game, one slip up. Yeah, <laughs> well, all it takes is one slip up, and all this talk that we're having right now is you know moot so uh, is this something that nebraska needs to continue to do the old just kind of old school coach one game at a time you know and just kind of continue this march forward and i think you, you can point to iowa as a perfect example of that how how they stud their toe against north dakota state and and uh and then let northwestern you know come in and, and beat them you know a couple teams that they should have beat um you know maybe i don't know if they were overlooking them or not or if they're just if everyone was just overestimating how good iowa actually was but but uh, I think they're the perfect example for Nebraska to, to stay focused on that one next game. Well, we've got a full show on tap here today. We're going to get you ready for the game uh, against Indiana in our next two segments. We'll talk offensive and defensive storylines. We'll take your questions in the mailbag later on with intern David I. Colton. We'll close up with some recruiting talk. Nate Klaus and Greg Peterson, our HL staff, will be in Florida this weekend as uh, they're going to check out a couple Husker recruits out in Florida, and we'll get Nate's thoughts on what went on on the road over the bye week. That's all next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. We had a game plan uh, last week. We had a like little game plan, and then after this uh, and Sunday when we came in, they used that uh, Ohio State game to really finalize it. And uh, it was good to have the extra week, but that helped out and get, hit the ground running on Sunday. So, A lot of pressure and a lot of, a lot of good disguised coverages. I think that's what they do well. They give you a lot of change-ups. They don't just line up and stand there. They move around, which makes it hard on the quarterback. So that's a concern. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. That was offensive coordinator Danny Langsdorf and right tackle David Neville as they talked about getting ready for Saturday's game at Indiana. It's a 2.30 game on ABC as we give you the offensive storylines here to watch on this week's Husker Online Show. And, um, you know, Nebraska's had some extra time to prepare, Robin. And I think one of the things that's probably been a help is the, the Ohio State game. You, you look at... JT Barrett and, and kind of how they use him and some of the elements they use him in. Um, Nebraska was able to kind of study that film from Saturday and how they attacked him and, and the things they did. And I think they're going to be able to really take some of that and use it this week as they build a game plan for Tommy Armstrong. Yeah, and what I think is going to come down to is how capable Tommy Armstrong is of running the football. Uh, you look at that Ohio State game. Ohio State did 22 designed quarterback runs with JT Barrett. Uh, that was by far the most in his career. And clearly, uh, you know, something, one, Indiana was taking away the pass. I think they held him to 9 of 21 passing on the day. But uh, he was able to run the ball for 137 yards and a touchdown, and Ohio State ran for 290 
as a team. So I think when you look at the formula of how you beat Indiana, that's the key. Run the ball and utilize the quarterback as a runner. And so if Tommy's healthy, which everyone says he is, uh, I mean, he's been practicing all week. And, we'll know right away. Yeah, has apparently not shown any any signs of uh, being limited. Uh, that's going to be a very good thing for Nebraska because clearly Ohio State found something uh, that Indiana's defense has a weakness to giving up uh, you know, yards to the quarterback in the run game. Well, and you get that run game going, and then uh, you have to you have to take advantage of the shots you can take uh, with that play action. I mean, you saw Ohio State uh, kind of do that, but JT Barrett flat out missed a handful of of open wide receivers in in that game. And I think Urban Meyer said afterwards um, in his press conference this week that JT Barrett missed seven wide open wide receivers by more than seven yards. So uh, he was not accurate at all. But if Tommy Armstrong can be accurate and when they do take those shots, I, I think, um, you know, this offense can take care of business. Yeah, JT Barrett, I, I think, gets hyped up as this big-time thrower, but he he's really very similar to a guy like Armstrong. But Armstrong has a better arm, I think, in a lot of ways. In fact, uh, listening to Glenn Mason, the former Minnesota coach now at the Big Ten Network, he said Tommy Armstrong would be his Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year through five games. It's it's a weird year. There haven't been really offensive stars, especially at quarterback, that have emerged in the way Tommy has managed Nebraska and got them to that level. Um, you know, Penn State's running backs having a good year, but uh, there's no question Tommy would be first or second team all Big Ten right now. Uh, I think Barrett would probably get it just off reputation, but Tommy, to me right now, is for sure your second-team All-Big Ten quarterback. Yeah, and from the numbers back it up. I mean, Tommy's playing the best football of his career, and that was one of the things we talked about going into the year, that you know the play of Tommy Armstrong was going to determine Nebraska's ultimate success, and uh, he's playing the best football he's ever played, and Nebraska's 5-0 and and in the top 10. I don't think that's a coincidence. So uh, that has to continue, and you look ahead to this week. Again, that's why I say it, if Tommy is close to his normal self, I think Nebraska has a big advantage uh, because they'll not only be able to control the ball and time of possession I think they're averaging right around 35 minutes of time of possession per game that keeps Indiana's offense off the field helps Nebraska's defense and uh, in turn really plays right into Nebraska's formula success that they've been using all year yeah if you would have said or asked a Nebraska fan before the season started uh, you know if, if they'd be satisfied with Tommy only having two interceptions through the fr first five games I, I think that uh, not too many people probably would have believed you that that was that would be possible but that's exactly Exactly where Tommy's at, and um, and that offensive line has been taking care of business, even though it's kind of been a patchwork group lately. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we get you ready for Saturday's game here at Indiana. It's a 2:30 game on ABC, and uh, injuries have been an issue for this offense. Thankfully, the bye week has come at the right time on that offensive line. Uh, Tanner Farmer at right guard, and then David Neville at right tackle will both be back this week. Um, that's huge. Now they have seven available bodies that have game experience on that offensive line. But no Jordan Westerkamp. We knew that was a, the, the deal. No Seaton Carter. Uh, Debino Zigbo also going to be held out. But Alonzo Moore back at wide receiver. Uh, that's a big one. Uh, the offense uh, is glad to have back out there as well. Um, which leads me to the question. You look at that running back position. Without Ozigbo here on Saturday, Terrell Newby is going to have to take a load. And not really knowing how much they're going to run Tommy Armstrong, that means somebody else is going to have to step up. Do you think they're going to commit to a Mikel Wilbon or Trey Bryant or just let it play out and stick with the hot hand? They're going to give them their shots. I think that you know Mike Riley made that clear on Monday that – uh, they're going to need some of those other guys to step up. And, you know, those guys kind of fell by the wayside a little bit, and that was because they were giving the ball away. I mean, um, Trey Bryant, you know, said it himself. You know, he put the ball on the ground twice and lost two fumbles, uh, including, I think, both of them in the red zone. 
And that, that kept him off the field and really kind of like pushed him down the depth chart after he was making a pretty rapid rise. And uh, he said that since the, that last fumble he had, he's made it his ultimate goal to earn that trust back. And uh, he's had a couple good weeks of practice and I think is in position to, um, you know, get back in the good graces with this staff. And if he's able to come out and have a strong game, uh, maybe take over a little bit of that power role that Divino Zigbo usually takes on, uh, that could go that could go a long way in kind of getting him back, uh, you know, to where he was, you know, before the the fumble issues. Yeah, prime opportunity for both those guys to to kind of take advantage of, of Divino Zigbo being out and um, and showing, like you said, earning that trust back, showing that they're not going to be turning the football over. But I still think Terrell Newby's going to going to have to be the guy, and um, and I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of lean on him just like they did in, in that Illinois game. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we get you ready for Saturday's Indiana game and talk offensive storylines without Jordan Westerkamp. Uh, another guy that's going to be called on is Brandon Riley. Uh, talking to Keith Williams earlier this week, he said Brandon Riley will take all of the snaps in the slot, and he's really excited about this. He thinks Brandon Riley um, can be a very effective and very dangerous slot. In some ways, the slot receiver is a better option for Tommy Armstrong uh, because Armstrong sometimes has a hard time seeing those receivers out there on the edge, and this might let his speed and athletic ability get utilized more. So that will be something I'm excited to see if they can find Brandon Riley on a streaking play over the middle. Yeah, and I think Danny Langsdorf is equally as excited as you are just talking to him after Wednesday's practice. You know, you know, he said that Brandon Riley obviously brings a lot of different physical elements to that slot position uh, than what Jordan did. And obviously Jordan's one of the best, most productive wide receivers in school history, but he doesn't have the speed as Brandon Riley does, and nor does he have the size. And I think that's something Nebraska might try to exploit especially if Indiana gets sloppy and tries to put a linebacker out there on him to cover him because uh, there's not... Yeah, he said a number 42. I'm thinking, is that a linebacker? Well, he's one of those hybrid guys. He, he came in as a safety, but he's been playing linebacker. The peso. Yeah, so I mean okay he's a defensive back but can he keep up with Brandon Riley not a lot of people can and so if they get one-on-one coverage with him look for Nebraska to really try and exploit one-on-one coverage with that uh, and I think not only that look for him to use get utilized in the run game a lot more on that jet sweep especially with the issues they're having with the running back down. and Keith told me this week that NFL scouts really are interested in all three of those guys Brandon Riley Jordan Westerkamp and Alonzo Moore I mean they're all pro prospects but Brandon Riley there's a lot of guys intrigued he just needs to do something and, and prove it you stay on the field, stay yeah, healthy, stay and, healthy, and, and don't and drop make, drop big balls. Exactly, make make catches when when you have the opportunity to do so. He's had a couple bad drops, and um, you know that's going to be an interesting matchup to watch there. And the way I mean, the way the coaches have talked about that number forty two this week, you think that he's a, a Buckus uh, Award guy? He's third on the team in tackles. Yeah, they're they're very <laughs> impressed with him though. Each and every coach mentioned number forty two <laughs> out there. So yeah. uh, that's that's going to be something to, to keep an eye on. Um, you know, what kind of matchup Nebraska gets there in the slot with Brandon Riley. All right, well, when we come back, we're going to shift the conversation over to defense as Nebraska and the Black Shirts are going to have a tough challenge this week getting ready for this Indiana Hoosier Kevin Wilson offense. That's next year. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. They, they do whatever they can to steal defensive signals. So they, they work at it real hard. So they're going to get your signals, and if, uh, if they don't get them before the game, they get them during the snap, and then they actually call the play at the line of scrimmage. That's, that's not anything different or new. It's just something that they I think they really hone in on. Uh, they try to get into the perfect run or the perfect pass 
to beat your front and to beat your uh, perimeter cover down. And welcome back here to the Husker Alliance show. That was Nebraska defensive coordinator Mark Banker um, with some interesting comments about Indiana and their offensive staff and kind of their approach as far as um, taking signs and what you do. And uh, there are even rumors that they have sent guys to games in advance to videotape sidelines from the stands to catch your signs. So um, a reputation has been developed uh, I think Michigan State, there's some smoke out there that Michigan State's coaches um, thought that they were taking their defensive signals in that win a couple of weeks ago. And um, yeah, I think Mike Riley and D'Antonio have a pretty good relationship. And I'm guessing the word uh, got to Nebraska. Hey, just so you know, uh, be ready for these guys. But Robin Washington, Nate Klaus here as, as we talk about that. It was an interesting accusation by Mark Banker. Um, I don't know what the point of di- divulging that was. Uh, to me, I, I'd almost keep that under my hat. Uh, I think the point was playing a little mind games with Kevin Wilson. I mean, we know basically putting it out there like we know what you're doing and we're going to throw out all these confusing little wrinkles to try and adjust to it. And you got to figure out what is legit and what's not. And with a team that bases so much of their actual play calls on what the other team is doing, uh, that could really kind of throw a wrench in what Indiana does. I mean, especially offensively, um, you know, they were, as Baker was explaining it, basically what they do is they look at the sideline and the coaches make the call, uh, like they, they they rush up to the line, so that's where the tempo comes from. And then they look to their sideline, and the coach is basically trying to evaluate what the defense is doing. And then they send in like a, basically a two play call, run pass option uh, for, for them to run, and they they make the call based on what the defense is doing. Well, if you confuse the coaches of what you know the defense is going to run there, then maybe that throws a whole uh, wrinkle in what you're trying to do. So uh, I think it was May- Banker kind of throwing a little bit of that uh, you know gamesmanship uh, right back at Kevin Wilson. Yeah, I think that's exactly what it was. And to me, the interesting thing is is that this is the first time that Nebraska and Indiana have, have met up, um, you know, especially under Kevin Wilson. So, the you know, and a lot of times when you're familiar with playing someone year in and year out, you can kind of, you know, pick up on certain trends or kind of figure some things out, some some different signals or find, you know, just different different things that, that a team does that's going to give away maybe what they're what they're going to be doing. But, um, you know, this is the first time. So it, it's interesting if, if they do, in fact, have advanced scouts or, you know, whatever guys videotaping. Um, you know, that's, I, mean, I guess, by all means necessary, right, uh, to get those get those wins for Kevin Wilson. I, I, I imagine you get a phone call. Hey, Nate, uh, do you and your uh, wife want to go to Lincoln for the weekend? All <laughs> expense paid? All you got to do is uh, videotape the sideline of Nebraska. Yeah, I don't know. They, they, they'd have to be uh, – have to be paying uh, paying me a little bit to, to be able to. But didn't Bill Callahan that. like actually get in trouble? He was suspended while he was at Wisconsin, right? For and going when he was at Illinois for going in a press box. As a yes, he he was. I think he may have even been a, a GA at the time. He was a very young coach, and he he actually went up into the press box after a game that he wasn't involved in. After a game that he wasn't involved in, and and kind of went through the coach's box and and picked some things out of the trash, some papers and 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 uh, got busted for that and uh he was always very paranoid about that too i remember having to during practice during the walkthroughs when the opposing team would be in lincoln and they'd be and we'd be doing our walkthroughs uh, inside memorial stadium he would have guys go up to the press box and walk the press box make sure that that no one from the opposing team was up there kind of watching things or taking notes you're listening here to the Husker Alliance show as we get you ready for Saturday's game with Indiana. This segment 
of the Husker Online Show brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill uh, with five locations in Omaha, two in Lincoln, the second one in Lincoln here, uh, about to open up soon here on 70th and A, but uh, it's a road game, so make sure you get into a Tanner's. Uh, plenty of locations to watch Saturday's game. It's a 2.30 game on ABC. They're going to have it on. They're going to have great drinks and great food available, not only for Saturday, but for uh, your NFL Sundays as well. So check out any one of the seven locations of Tanner's. And as, as we talk more about this matchup um, with Indiana, um, you know, another thing is um, they're not familiar. You mentioned they've never played these guys in a game before. So it's, but, you know, the staff has compared them, Robin, a little bit to Oregon and somewhat to Arizona State with what they've done. So they have familiarity with these types of teams that run this system. Uh, but then uh, Brian Stewart as well worked with Kevin Sumlin, and Kevin Sumlin is a part of you know the, the, the same coaching tree as Kevin Wilson from the Oklahoma days with Bob Stoops. So uh, Stewart knows this system very well as, um, when they prepare for this game. Yeah, you know, the, you, you kind of rely on all the familiarity as you can, and um, you know, there, there were some comparisons to Oregon, but Oregon's in a completely different class when it comes to, you know, tempo and uh, just overall speed. Uh, so I don't think that it's necessarily going to be quite like that. I think probably Arizona State is uh, as good of a comparison as Nebraska staff can make just as far as, you know, teams they've played against. And, um, you know, I think they're going to rely on that experience from the Pac-12 because I think there are a lot of elements in what Indiana does uh, that they saw back in the Pac-12 conference. So uh, it's kind of one of those things, you know, I mean, this is one of the new deals with when you join a new conference you know you, you, you play new teams and you got to adjust and um, kind of gain you know a little bit of that familiarity and they have to adjust to you though too that's yeah the other exactly thing. so yeah just, just, as much as you're trying to prepare for them they're trying to prepare for you and so i wouldn't be surprised if nebraska threw a couple wrinkles uh you know had some stuff up their sleeve as well yeah i, I promise you that's going to happen because uh i mean this is this is not the um you know it's not going to be a deal where um you know, both these teams aren't going to have to adjust both offense and defense. It's not a one-sided deal here. So uh, I guarantee you that coming off the bye week, especially, we're going to see some wrinkles in, in this offense. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we get you ready for Saturday's game at Indiana. It's Nebraska's first trip to Bloomington since 1978 when Lee Corsos was the coach of Indiana. They played, a, I believe, a four-game set there in the 70s with Nebraska winning all four of those games uh, pretty handily. And uh, Lee Corsos didn't want anything to do with playing Nebraska. He's made a much better college football analyst over the years than he was uh, a coach for the Hoosiers. But, um, you know, another thing um, – I think is discipline for the defense this week, Robin. When when you look at the defense, Indiana's going to do a lot of those choice read deals with the quarterback where he can run or throw. And if Nebraska's linebackers, if their safeties get caught cheating, uh, just playing with poor discipline, that is what worries me. Because you look at the last three games, I don't care about Fresno and Wyoming. Those stats throw them out the window. Northwestern, Illinois, Oregon. Nebraska has given up six yards per carry on the ground. That is a red flag, and I think a lot of teams are going to test that. Well, and tackling has been kind of the, the big talking point here, and maybe the biggest issue with the tackling is just being out of position, taking terrible pursuit angles to the ball. And with this style of offense, that'll kill you if you're taking a bad angle on a zone read uh, and you go one way, then the ball goes the other, boom, big play. And that's one thing you cannot do against Indiana. They thrive on big plays, not only with the run game, uh, but with the run or the play they action. struggle in the red yes. zone, though. Yes, they do. And so that's why. I mean, you, you Nebraska's kind of relied on this bend but don't break defense, and uh, they cannot afford to give up those big plays. That's kind of been the, the, the key point. Riley and Banker have made all year that the big plays have to be eliminated, and that couldn't be more 
more the case uh, than it will be this well, week in Indiana. And look at their running backs. I think they only have one rushing touchdown between their three backs right now, and their leading rusher has over 500 yards rushing. Um, so, you know, they've been effective getting yards, but they haven't finished a lot of drives. So um, I think we're making these guys out to be the 85 Bears because of that Michigan State win. Uh, but, you know, Michigan State played like garbage. Um, they're they're an improved team, but Nebraska and Nate, I think, should win this game, honestly, when I break it down and look at it closer. Yeah, the, the, there's no doubt that they should win this game. I, I think Nebraska has more talent uh, than Indiana. Um, you know, and, and Indiana is playing with confidence, but I'll tell you what, Nebraska has all the confidence in the world right now, too, and, and coming off the bye week, they're, they're, they've got some health to them, and um, you know, this is going to be. I think it's going to be a good matchup. Just for the record, the line opened at uh, Nebraska favored by eight. It's down to three as of taping of this show. All right. Well, we'll see uh, if the guys in the desert know more or uh, how that thing plays out. But uh, when we come back, we're going to bring in Husker online intern David Eichel, fresh off his tryout from Tim Miles's basketball team. We'll hear about that and much more next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I think we're really resilient. I think we're, we're a closely knit group, and we all know what it takes to win and what it takes to work hard, and that's going to come up big for us later in the season because we got some big games coming up, and um, I just think we're a really resilient group, and uh, we got big things ahead of us. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. That was junior kicker Drew Brown. Just talking about what he likes about this Nebraska football team as they sit at 5-0, and ranked number 10 in the AP poll, getting ready for Saturday's game at Indiana. It's a 2.30 game on ABC, and uh, we're going to shift gears here now as we take your questions each week in the Husker Online mailbag. And uh, we're going to bring back our other intern, David Eichold. Uh, we usually have Matt Reynoldson in, uh, but it was able to work out this week to have David in studio here for this week's mailbag. But before we get to the mailbag questions, I've got a question for you. Let's hear it. So you really tried out? during for the basketball tryout uh yes sir and how did it go uh you know it went pretty well uh the tone was set fairly early uh in my game uh my team got the tip and the point guard ran up didn't pass it took a double contested fadeaway jump shot and one of the coaches just like hey get out and a, and a little con- in a little context here this was an open tryout for students at the university of nebraska to be on tim miles basketball team yeah. So who was the coach, Robin, uh, after your investigate? Who, who do you think was the coach that uh, kicked the guy out after the shot? Uh, shoot, I can't remember his name right now. It was now. Wes. Wes Eichmeyer, yes. Yeah. Wes Eichmeyer. Yeah. I, th- I think it was him. Yeah, he, he he doesn't mess around, especially with dudes taking a, a one-on-four <laughs> contested fadeaway jumper in the lane. So, uh, But how far did you make it, Dave? Uh, I made it to the top seven. Hey, yeah. all the people on the board that were trashing David and his basketball skills. Hey, he made top seven. Well, here's the thing. They don't know. I'm, I'm 6'4". Like, I'm fairly tall. I'm not some 5'8". Guy going in there, going up against and he's guys. Got a stroke from three. You know it. You I took hard. the board's advice. They told me to stroke a three every time I got the ball, and I did it. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to the questions. Lots of questions this week on the mailbag. Let's get on. Uh, where, where, what do you have for us? All right. We'll start with the first one. Uh, which matchup is more interesting or challenging for the Huskers this weekend? Nebraska's offense versus Indiana's defense, or Nebraska's defense versus Indiana's offense? Uh, definitely the defense. Um, I think Indiana. Kevin Wilson. He's known as an offensive guy. He's gone through a litany of coordinators on defense since he's been there they're on another coordinator this year they are built on his offense that's why he got the job that is the matchup well yeah and especially i want to see how mark banker combats all the uh place signal stealing signal gate yeah <laughs> signal gate with kevin wilson's sneaky tactics there won't be much of a pregame uh 
meeting with those two guys. I doubt it. Yeah, I don't think I don't think there's going to be uh, uh, too much conversation going on there. But yeah, I'd have to agree with that. And and I'm really interested to see how the the quarterback Lego uh, really plays. He's a big dude. He's a big dude. He's a, a junior college transfer. Uh, but he's been in and played in uh, similar offenses to this, so it's not like he's a guy who's who's kind of settling into things right now. He's he's he understands the offense very well, uh, and so far has been operating. He started at out at UConn, level. right? He started out at UConn, um, and then old Hank Hughes guy, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Hank Hughes. So uh, yeah, but to me, I, yeah, I'm going to be paying attention to the offense versus the defense here. All right, let's keep it rolling. Uh, which recruit for this year's class of in-state kids would you guess has the most potential to be a contributing factor on this team during their career, assuming they take a preferred walk-on spot? You're talking about walk-on, like kids in the state that are recruits today. Yeah. Yep. Uh, well, I mean, there's only two that are scholarship, so and the walk-on is so wide open, so it's a hard one to, to answer. But, I mean, Austin Allen is walking in into a great opportunity at tight end. History tells you tight ends get an opportunity. Uh, Brock Bando, too, is in there. But, you know, if a guy like Jordan Popnate decides to walk on, I mean, he's a guy to watch. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. Uh, Jordan Pop's having a terrific season. Um, you know, I think he's leading the state in tackles for loss and maybe even tackles, you know, overall tackles. But uh, and he just picked up a preferred walk on offer from Nebraska. Um, so he's definitely a guy to, to pay attention to. But Austin Allen, to me, if he can come back off this knee injury, which by all indications he's going to be able to do that, but uh, he's got such a unique blend of athleticism and size, uh, based on, and then you look at the depth chart at tight end. I, th- I think he's got an opportunity to come in and, and have a pretty good career for Nebraska. Real quick, Nate, is Austin? I know he had talked about coming back for later in the year. Is he coming back this season? As from what I understand, I don't think he's going to be coming back. I don't think he's going to be pushing it to come back unless Aurora does make. Make a kind of a, a late run into the playoffs, but uh, my understanding is that he's going to be out for the, for the entire season. All right, and who would the tenth staff member to Nebraska be if the new NCAA recommendations are passed? So the new rule will allow you to have ten full-time coaches. The yes. new proposal. Proposal. I mean, wouldn't it be Tavita Thompson without a, without a question? Yeah. I mean, this guy yeah, has, has paid his penance and. You know, I know Husker fans have this fantasy. Let's hire Ed Orgeron. I mean, <laughs> like you bring in Les Miles as a as a consultant, spe- special teams coordinator. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Mike Riley, Mike Riley is a loyal guy, and Tavita Thompson has paid his time. And if the opportunity came, I mean, it's a no brainer, right, Nate? Yeah. Well, and here's the deal: Tavita Thompson is already a proven recruiter, and he's a guy that can't even go out on the road right now. He he has three commitments in this class, and for, as a GA, I mean, that's pretty much unheard of. That's that's Vince Marrow territory uh, right there. And um, and and the other thing there is that uh, he he's a Polynesian guy, and and that's always opens something, up a whole new pipeline. And that's always something that Nebraska has wanted to try and get back, and kind of creating a Polynesian pipeline and they've struggled to do that but if you had a full-time coach that's going on the road i think it would be a lot easier to, to create that pipeline there another wild card name behind the scenes there is james rogers i mean this mike riley downplayed what his role is i i visualized him today at practice it was wednesday at practice i mean he is more than a recruiting guy i mean he is involved and has a presence on this football team and his stock amongst recruits and whatnot, he's another interesting guy to watch down the road. 
Yeah, there's no doubt about it. He's, he's uh, from Texas. He had great success. In players Mike, respect him. Yeah, players respect him. He had great success in Mike Riley's system. And, uh, and he's always he seems like a great mentor. He's always with a player on the team. And it seems to be kind of, you know, either either in a deep conversation with him uh, or talking about football and, and kind of working on things off the field. It's interesting. We're taking your questions here in the Husker Online mailbag. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, Robin Washett. We'll send it back over here to David Eichel with the next question. All right, switching from football to basketball real quick. A couple, oh. a couple people asked, is Tim Miles' seat getting hot? I mean, it's getting warmer. Uh, there's no doubt about that. I mean, the fact that we're this far along in his tenure and there's really been one good month of, of basketball. I mean, the, the numbers don't lie. And at some point, you know, you can have so much optimism for so long, there needs to be results on the court. Now, am I going to say this is a make-or-break year? No, I'm not ready to say that. I think that there's still too far too much to feel good about what's happening with this program, especially with the, the influx of talent that they're bringing in. The fact is they're young talents, but, uh, you know, I, I still think he has at least a couple of years to get this thing going. All right, and now that he has been around for about six months, what are your impressions of Billy Devaney? Was his role become? I think it's still hard to define what he does, but I, I kind of think he's Mike Riley's right-hand man. He's kind of Mike Riley's the good cop, and he plays the bad cop. He's the guy that, you know, can be with him and, and kind of keep Coach Riley in check, tell him things, and, and, and just be that guy that, you know, sometimes as a head coach, we had this with Bo Pelini, I felt like, in Nebraska. People were afraid to tell him things were wrong. Well, you've got a guy now that can tell Mike Riley, you know, Mike, uh, let's not do this or let's do that or, or what. I just think having that kind of guy next to him, um, that is the biggest thing. he. I haven't noticed it, Nate, in the recruiting with him. Have you? No, I really haven't noticed it too much in, in the recruiting realm. I know that he does evaluate film. Uh, but and I, I thought he might be more involved, and maybe he will be down the road in terms of actually meeting with with uh, you know recruits and the parents of recruits and things of that nature. But um, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think he's kind of Mike Riley's right hand man, and it, it kind of takes some some of the pressure off some of the assistant coaches because um, you know they don't have to maybe be that bad guy to tell Mike Riley no or say, hey, coach, this isn't working. We need to change something. It's kind up. of a buffer. Yeah, it's a, it's a buffer. Uh, Billy Devaney can be that guy to. to tell Mike Riley no or or to throw a suggestion out there that maybe not uh, be the popular suggestion but uh, I, th I think he's just a guy that Mike Riley runs everything by to, to get a little input. Alright well David it was great to have you here in studio uh, I know you've got class conflicts normally but yeah. we're glad to get you in here at least one time. Yeah thanks for having me back. Alright well when we come back we're going to close the show the Husker coaches were on the road for recruiting and Nate Klaus is going to hit the road with Greg Peterson uh, to watch a couple of Husker commits in Florida. We'll talk about that next here you're listening to the husker online show you're listening to the husker online show your authority on nebraska athletics i think this early signing date through the years has has become inevitable in some fashion i think in general if i was asked to vote i don't know if i would change it but i know it's going to happen so i think that this proposal can work i think it will change our spring a little bit because everything will even be accelerated more. I think that the reality of how the recruiting is going and how early kids are committing and how they're, how you would get chances then to have official visits earlier on uh, when a lot of kids are spending a lot of money to do unofficial visits, uh, I think it's probably good. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show. That was head coach Mike Riley uh, talking about the new 
recruiting rules that could be in effect. And we have a lot to talk about here as we close up on some recruiting as Nate Klaus joins us here. And Nate, let's start with the recruiting. Why do you think Mike Riley would vote against the rules? I mean, what do you think Nebraska, if if you're trying to theorize, because you've been on that side working in the recruiting department at Nebraska, when you analyze these new rules, where is the biggest disadvantage to Nebraska? Well, I think the biggest disadvantage to Nebraska is if there's an early, early signing period, you're talking June, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of times those, those kids are making unofficial visits in, in that spring before their senior year and maybe, um, you know, make a verbal commitment. If, if those guys then sign in June before Nebraska can get a lot of these guys on campus, especially on campus to, to experience a game day atmosphere, I think that automatically kind of takes away from your pool of, of potential prospects right there. So, um, you know, I think a lot of it will have to do with how far – ahead they move the official visit dates they're gonna they're gonna have a full month of june visits that's what's been proposed right now so uh the entire month of june i think that will be all 30 days i don't think it will just be weekends um you can bring prospects in um camps though will be shortened i believe satellite camps will be done uh, it's a 10-day window a 10-day window and they cannot be off campus right um yeah i'm not sure about that part of it but i know i know it's a 10-day window but as far as the official visits, I, I still feel like you need to to push that up into the spring. Even um, get these, let the kids have a chance to take an official visit for a spring game or, or to go see a spring practice, something of that nature. Uh, while while player you know students and players are on campus, not just in the dead of summer. But well, yeah, why not just have the officials start up? after signing day yeah I mean, or, or april or, or march or right or you know maybe maybe the the traditional spring break is, is you know signifies the start of official visits i i don't know there's there's a lot of different variables there and uh and like mike riley said it, it's inevitable it's going to happen at some point in time you just you hope that they do it the right way and kind of um you know have some counterbalances there by and, and i think it's good that they'd be moving up to official visit dates but uh, i'd personally like to see them move it up just a a little bit earlier than June if they do in fact enact these uh, these early signing dates. And then there'd be one week of proposed visits in July as well uh, in that window before the start of fall camp. But there'd be three signing days, a June 30th signing day, a middle December one that would match up with junior college players, and then your traditional February one. I mean, the way I envision it, Nate, when you look at these proposed rules, you're going to get probably 50 to 60% of your class by June 30th. And then maybe you're going to get 10 to 15% in the December date. And then you're going to get your big fish, uh, the the hotter chick, the girl that wants to wait it out and go on all the dates. Um, those are going to be the guys that will wait till February and, and, and kind of string it along where I think official in-season visitors are going to be really high-profile guys. Yeah, it's it's going to be the really high-profile guys with a ton of options on the table. and The leverage. Yeah, and they have the leverage. And also maybe some of those late bloomers, some of those the diamonds in the rough that maybe uh, don't really blow up until their senior year. Those are going to be guys that sign late too. But, um, you know, it – there's so many different ways to look at it, whether it helps Nebraska or hurts Nebraska, uh, because let's let's not kid ourselves. Nebraska is going after some guys that are committed to other schools right now, and if there was an early signing period, you know that, that um, takes them off the table. Takes them off the table. So um, I mean, there's so many different ways to to look at it. There's so many different pros and cons. Like I said earlier, you, you just hope that uh, whatever changes do come about, that uh, they make it as fair as possible. I also think though it will change 
change the game as far as taking some of those guys as early commits that you might drop. Because if you have to sign them in June, then all of a sudden you you might be stuck with a guy where you could have a better guy out there. So I, I do think the bigger programs will be much more selective on those early commits now. Well, and they'll be selective, much more selective maybe on some of those early offers too. And uh, the, uh, to me, maybe one of the biggest things or biggest disadvantages about the early signing period is that you're not able to – uh, evaluate these guys during their senior year. Yeah, you lose the senior year. Exactly. And, and anyone that's played a high school sport, you know a, t- a guy on your team that was nothing as a junior that develops into a great player as a senior. I mean, that is high school. That's life. And that type of kid is going to be disserviced where maybe a group of five conference is going to benefit now off some of those kids. And on the flip side, though, we all know that kid who peaked as a sophomore in high school and never got any better that we thought was going to be all world but never got any better. And if you threw out an early offer and he signs early and then all of a sudden his senior year rolls around and Boy, he's not looking like the guy that you thought he was going to to look like. Now you're stuck with that kid. You're listening here to the Husker Alliance Show as we wrap it up with recruiting talk. Nate, um, you know, just a brief thoughts here. Uh, the coaches were on the road. Um, they were out all last week on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Give me one or two big takeaways from the coaches' time out on the road. Well, big takeaways was uh, the West Coast was hit hard. You had Mike Riley, Keith Williams, um, Reggie Davis. Uh, Brian Stewart all out in California. You had Mike Cavanaugh up in Washington seeing a couple of big offensive line targets, uh, namely uh, Foster Sorrell, who's the number three overall prospect in the nation, the number one offensive tackle in the nation. He's taken his official visit to Nebraska already uh, and has the Huskers squarely in his top three. Has kind of narrowed things down, and uh, Nebraska's right in the mix with him, so I, I think that was big to see him over the bye. Obviously, uh, Joseph Lewis, the five-star wide out out of uh, Hawkins High School in Los Angeles. You had the Calabasas kids there uh, that uh, that Coach Riley went to go see them play uh, last Friday night. And and then Brian Stewart was doing some work there, seeing Thomas Graham, um, you know, Trajan Cotton out in California, a couple of their top cornerback uh, uh, commits. And, and one thing to keep an eye on is Reggie Davis going out to California to see Stephen Carr, who's the number one all-purpose back in the country, who's committed to USC right now. Uh, had at one point in time expressed some interest in visiting Nebraska. That kind of died off over the summer, but it's clear, it's clear Nebraska is making one last push here. And to me, uh, I, I think that he must be receptive if they went ahead and, and spent the time to go out and see him over the bye week. I, I think that's uh, that's something to keep an eye on. You don't waste on. your time otherwise. You don't waste your time otherwise, especially when you've got one running back spot in this class. Um, you, you could have spent your time better unless – uh, you know, more towards a guy that you felt like you had a better shot at maybe. Um, you know, so Stephen Carr is, is going to be looking around, and I wouldn't be surprised if, if he does, in fact, end up making it uh, for a visit to Nebraska. And then, uh, briefly, Nate, you're going to go on the road. Uh, you and Greg Peterson, our, our very good video producer, are going to go out on the road to Florida, to Orlando and South Florida in the Miami area. Give us a taste of what you're going to go out there and see. Yeah, excited to, to hit Orlando tomorrow uh, or on Thursday to see uh, Robert Porsche um, out of uh, Orlando, Dr. F- Dr. Phillips High School. He's the defensive end commit, obviously the son of, of, uh, of an NFL defensive lineman who had a, a terrific career, committed to Nebraska over the summer. Uh, so excited to see him. And then on, on Friday night, we'll be seeing Willie Hampton, uh, the super athletic linebacker out of American Heritage High School in Plantation. 
Plantation, Florida. So uh, get excited to see a couple commits that are really kind of under the radar. They're, they're not guys that are out in the public eye a whole lot. They don't do a ton of interviews, but uh, are, are very good prospects uh, and really looking forward to seeing these guys in person and, and getting to know them a little bit better, kind of um, you know maybe learning a little bit more about their stories because they don't do a ton of interviews and things like that. Well, it's going to be a busy weekend on Husker Online. Nate and Greg will be in Florida, as you heard, to cover recruiting. And Robin and I are going to be out in Indiana bringing you full coverage here of the Huskers and Hoosiers. That's a 2.30 game. So make sure you log on to HuskerOnline.com for the best and most complete coverage of Husker athletics. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 